We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. I would like to just pause. We just sang a lot of promises of God, a lot of beautiful truths, and uh, I just want to give the congregation uh, another chance uh, to respond. Um, sometimes we can get a little bit liturgical, us humans. We can uh, just kind of uh, do one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and, um, and sometimes it's good to say, um, I needed to sing that. I needed to hear that. And so um, I'll start, but I, uh, I just want to give you a chance to respond. So maybe a word or a phrase uh, that, the, that the Lord used to um, warm your heart to the things of God this morning. So I'll start, and, and then you guys can just uh, come in when you're ready. Um, I needed to hear this morning what was read, uh, Psalm 119. It says, um, If the word, if the law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Anyone else need to hear that this morning? What else did you need to hear or sing this morning? Go ahead, let's just take some time. My anchor to the ground, amen. Yes, that's right. That's right. Kelly? That's right. Such a great truth. It's new. And they're stronger, His mercies are stronger than our sins. Anyone else? Ice cream. Ice cream. Who said that? One of our seven-year-olds? Or <laughs> uh, Raleigh, what do you need? That's right. That's right. Yeah, Bonnie told me that this morning, too. It's crazy, you know. <laughs> yeah, what else? What else? Those are beautiful trees. Anyone else? Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, let's uh, let's pray together, and then kids will dismiss you after we pray. Okay. And so, Father, we come today, this morning, as grateful people. We, uh, we come from all over the map, geographically, yes. But also, emotionally, spiritually, um, we, we come from different places. Lord, we come from different backgrounds. And um, even from this past week, we come from different situations, hardships, celebrations, 
um, things that happen in our life that are worthy to clap about. And then also, um, there are some among us who are grieving and lamenting. And now we are one church. And we are looking to you for all things. You are our anchor. And so, as we come to your word this morning, we're asking you, would your word that you wrote be the great unifier and help uh, us all to set our sights on the things above? And uh, would you use it to work in our lives and um, to cause great transformation in our hearts and for our lights to shine brighter um, to others, the community around us? We love you so much, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Kids, you are dismissed. Ages 7 and on down can head on back to the gathering light. And you will be studying the gospel this morning. Something that we are going to be doing as well, and we will never get tired or bored of it. Amen? Amen. Hey, if you're a guest here, if you're visiting, we just want to welcome you. My name is Mike Newman. I'm the pastor here, one of the elders. And uh, it is my privilege to uh, bring to you God's Word this morning. If you would, open up your Bibles to Psalm 133. We have been in the Psalms of Ascent. And um, just a, a little bit on our church. Um, we, uh, as a church from its inception, have been committed to what is called, and I, I don't mean to be uh, like use fancy or large words, um, but it's a good word to know in the church. We are committed to expositional preaching. Uh, expositional preaching means that the role uh, of the person standing behind the pulpit is to explode or expose the text for all that it is, for all that it is worth, and to deliver it uh, to the congregation um, with an unction to change um, this, this time and the next moment it's not simply a presentation. Um, it's not um, Mike's thoughts on uh, the world and culture around us. Um, using a verse here or there like salt and pepper to make it like nice tasting or even support my ideas. But our whole goal is to glorify God, to see Him in His Word, to allow the Word to point to Christ and for the, the man behind the pulpit to fade in the background so that the Word builds up the church, edifies, and God gets all the glory at the end. Amen? So, um, the, the best way to do that is book by book um, and verse by verse, right? So we, we um, uh, typically, we've, we've chosen a book, like the book of Romans or the book of Daniel in the past year and a half or so. Uh, and for this summer... Um, there's jokes like uh, this is like the the the, the summer like solemn like ha 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 every summer we go through some I think it's a good like rhythm to be in the Psalms it's like one of my favorite books the Psalms but um, we've been in the Psalms and we've um, and we've loved it and we've really enjoyed it and so we're on the second to last Psalms of Ascent Psalm 133 last week we were in Psalm 127. And um, we, we were encouraged by the word to not eat. Does anyone remember? To not eat what? That's right, to, to eat the bread of anxious toil. But instead, eat the bread of anchored trust. 
to trust in the Lord, uh, in not, not to worry and be anxious in life, um, because the Lord builds the house. And if we eat the bread of anxious toil, we labor in what? Vain. So, how did we do? How did we do eating bread this week? Yeah? Did it, was the word working this week? Did it strengthen you? And, and did it allow you, when you're tempted to eat the bread of anxious toil, we were like, you know what? I'm not going to eat that bread. But I'm going to trust in the Lord. Did it help you last week? Hopefully. Hopefully. And if not, um, if, 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 uh, if you're like, oh, I forgot. It's okay. We're forgetful people. And so we're here again to be reminded of God's truth. Amen? So let's get started. Okay? Um, unity is this Sunday. In a word, unity. Okay? The coach of the University of Washington, uh, the coach of the crew team, in 1936, his name was Al Ulbrichsen. And when there was 25 people that came to try out for the crew team of the University of Washington, his eyes spanned over those 25 young, strapping men that just wanted to row. And he looked across all of them, and they were, they were pretty substantial in size, all over six foot, all 25 of them. Some were six foot, some were six one, six two, three. There was even a six five guy. And he wasn't necessarily, this coach, he wasn't necessarily looking for the strongest or the quickest or the, you know, the ones that had like the eye of the tiger. He was looking for one thing in particular. You see, he was looking for nine guys that were going to fit in this small boat that was 24 inches wide, this, this racing shell that were going to have the ability to keep their balance and work as a team. Rowing uh, is a sport that, that takes all of you. I, I'm not a rower, um, but I do know this much, that for the most part, um, the sport is dominated by colleges in the East. It's like, it's an Ivy League thing, okay? So like, schools like Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Cornell, for years and years and years have dominated the sport. And so for a guy all the way from the West Coast, uh, University of Washington, to be successful had to set his sights and goals high and very clear. His goal was to get to the 1936 Olympics in Berlin and to win the gold medal right from under Hitler's nose. Let me read to you a quote about what he was looking for. And he spanned across the 25 men. This is what he said. He said, I'm looking for the ability of these men to disregard their own ambitions. To throw his ambitions to the gunnel. To leave it swirling in the wake of its shell. And to pull not just for himself, not just for his glory, but for the other boys in the boat. Isn't that great? To disregard your own ambitions and row for a higher cause. My friends, that is unity. We'll finish the story in a few weeks 
when we start uh, the book of 1 Samuel in the fall. Um, but we'll leave you hanging there for now. Let me read Psalm 133 on unity. This is God's word. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when others, when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. There's our passage this morning. Let's see what God has for us. Uh, Really, there's four things, four points, four dominant hooks that will govern our time this morning. Uh, You're going to see first the principle. The principle is that unity is good and pleasant. Um, And then you're going to see two really strange, like really weird to the common modern ear illustrations. And these illustrations, the first one is meant to tell you that unity is pleasing. And then the next illustration, the first one is about oil. The next one is about dew. Okay. The next one, the purpose is illustrated that unity is profitable. And then we'll wrap up our time in saying the proof is that God puts his stamp of blessing on the folks who pursue unity. Okay. So we got, um, we got a whole bunch of words that start with P. It's, it's, the principle is pleasant, it's pleasing, it's profitable, and then we're going to look at the proof. Here's number one. Uh, this is the principle. Unity, my friends, is good and pleasant. Look at verse one with me again. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when, uh, when brothers dwell in unity. So let's let our eyes just uh, look on the page and let the text speak for itself, okay? So first of all, do you notice how the psalmist says um, how good and pleasant it is. So he deliberately doesn't, doesn't use words that can measure the vast um, beauty of unity. He wants us to just behold it and admire it. So if you today leave here going, unity is such a good thing. It is so pleasant. I want to admire it. That's what the psalmist wants you to do. He wants us to crave it, to work towards it, to celebrate the idea of unity. Look at it again with me. He says, when brothers dwell in unity. This isn't uh, biological brothers or like uh, just a bunch of dudes. Uh, The old-fashioned way to say it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And what it's saying is when believers when those who have repented of their sin and placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when they come together in unity, God loves it. He loves it. Um, these, These psalms of ascent, we've said this before, that they're pilgrim songs. We actually just sang a song that talked about minor days and it's like a pilgrim on this narrow road. That's every Christian, right? So these psalms have been people of God uh, climbing on up to Jerusalem and they're singing these songs to each other on the way to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. Last week, we saw how, how on this road trip, on this journey, the psalmist looks to the right and left and goes, Whoo! 
I got kids on this journey. Do you remember that? And he says, the children are a what from the Lord? Are a blessing. All right, the kids remembered that. That's right, we're a blessing, mom and dad. Okay? So they're on the way. And children are a blessing. And now it's like they've arrived in Jerusalem. They're there. And the psalmist looks to his left and his right. He sees his biological family. But then he looks even further and he goes, there's all these brethren here. And it is so awesome that we're dwelling in unity. It's almost like he looks and he sees these, these, these proverbial walls begin to drop. There's no jealousy. There's no cliques. There's, there's, there's like pure unity among us. And now we're here together and it's good and pleasant. There's no popularity games. There's no grudges. There's no unforgiveness. There's no guilt trips. We're here. Isn't the Lord good? Unity. What is it? Um, today, uh, I just love to think of it in terms of mathematics. So I'm going to use a term, and I'm going to give you a sentence, just so that you know, well, just so you can remember it clearly, but also so you know that I passed my 10th grade math class. Okay? Um, unity in mathematics means the number one. I'll use it in a sentence. Ready? The slope of each dotted line is less than unity. Are you impressed? I know. I'm so well-rounded. <laughs> Isn't that great? Unity, number one, right? And you're like, okay, come on, Newman. Like, so what? Okay? I mean that unity occurs when the brethren care most about when they talk about and when they make much of one thing, namely the Lord. When He is their all in all, their one passion, their treasure, their priority, when you make the Lord your number one, that brings about unity. Which means the greatest threat to unity would be the sin of pride, making yourself number one, right? That's been the story since the beginning. A fallen man out of seeking after his own glory rather than the heart of uh, one of my favorite verses, uh, Isaiah 26, 8. The heart of it says that, yes, Lord, we wait for you because your name, not my name, your name and renown are the desires of our hearts. What if every person, every marriage, every church memorized that verse and allowed it to sink from, from their head all the way down to the 18 inches of their heart to say, that is going to be how I conduct all of my life, my conversations. Everything that I do is going to be about the name and renown of the Lord. That will bring about unity. What it is not. Uh, unity is not uh, just everyone getting along. Uh, unity is not just breeding a culture of agreeable people. Um, just a bunch of yes men and women. Um, just so that we don't disturb or offend each other. Let's just all agree. Rather, unity is a people 
pursuing holiness, submitted to God's Word, and longing for the Gospel to be seen and heard um, both in the church and in the community, and ultimately the world. Some of you know my dad. Uh, he's preached here before. Uh, but I, I, I just love thinking about my dad and how he always said this quote growing up. He says, It's amazing what happens when no one cares who gets the glory. Isn't that a great quote by Steve Newman? I love that. Um, and it's true. So, so far we've, we've hit the conceptual. We've, we've understood the, a definition of unity. We've, we've talked about mathematics. But I'd love to just uh, real quickly bring it down to the practical. From conceptual to concrete. Um, here's a few practical examples of, of unity that I have seen with my own two eyes. Okay, um, Here's three. Um, I saw uh, two weeks ago or so... Um, a man who is highly respected, who has a wonderful job, who's got a great salary. I saw him two weeks ago doing one of the lowliest jobs at VBS. This guy was hosing out a trash can with all of that trash juice. Right? It's just wonderful to think about. And he was wiping it down and his head was in there and tipping it over he was, he was throwing away his own personal ambitions and taking the worst job there is. That was a very unifying thing. Another example. I saw four guys uh, this past week on Tuesday struggle to make a decision together. Four Christians who are disagreeing. And then, each of them submitted to the Lord, to one another, threw out their, their uh, own ambitions over the gunnels, and left it in the Lord's hands, and gave up the ability to decide on their own, and said, you know what, I've let it go, whatever you think would be best. And then the other guy said, you know what, I've done the same thing, and I've listened to you, and I think what your idea is, and four guys came together from a disagreement to have unity. Last one, I saw a husband honor his wife with words. And afterwards, she gave all the glory to God. Three examples of people continually throwing out their own pride for the sake of God getting the attention. And when that happens, the principle, it's good and pleasant. Uh, let's, let's go to the next point. Here's an illustration that unity is pleasing. Uh, look at me with, uh, in the Scriptures at verse 2. I'll read it again. It says, It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robe. And if you're reading this alone, you're probably like, this is so weird. Come on, Bible. Like, be a little bit more like, you know, what are you talking about? So let's just take some time and, uh, and describe what's happening here, okay? So oil is a wonderful fragrance. Um, but this particular oil is not just any oil. 
This is like divine oil from the recipe of the book of Exodus using four particular of the best spices uh, that, that could be offered. Okay, And the idea in this oil, and in this mixture, okay, the idea is twofold. The first one is this, that it is remarkably good smelling. Okay, this is like essential oil times ten. Okay, you really like this smell. And the second idea that the psalmist is bringing out is that as it is being used on Aaron and it's going on his beard and it's dripping down his beard onto his collar, the idea is that there is copious amounts of oil being used, lots of oil. So it's being used in a lavish way and it's very recognizable. If any of you have spilled any oil or perfume, you're like, whoa, oh my word, I can smell this. That's what's happening in verse 2. And he's talking about unity and he's using this as an illustration to say it is very, very pleasing. Oil has a rich uh, biblical imagery in the Scriptures uh, symbolizing the Holy Spirit. Uh, even in the book of 2 Corinthians, we hear that it's, 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 it's a fragrant aroma when a believer is filled with the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like when a, when a believer walks into a room, um, people can identify if that person is, is walking in the Spirit and is bearing the fruits of the Spirit. Because 2 Corinthians says, it is like the smell, this aroma is like the smell of life to some. And so this person walks in the room and people go, Oh, Bob is in here. I love it when Bob is here. He's so good smelling with regards to the fruit of the Spirit. He's so kind. He's so gentle. He's such a joyful person. I love it when he's here. The fragrance of the Holy Spirit. And there's copious amounts of it in the life of Bob. And the psalmist is saying, I love it when, when this happens. When unity is happen, happens, it's such a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And when people are walking in the Spirit and abandoning their own lives and their own time and their own calendar and their own ambitions and they're pursuing and they're rowing for the sake of the boys in the boat, God goes, I love it when people do that. God gets so much glory. It's such a pleasing thing to Him. Unity. It's a little bit of a flash word, isn't it? It's a common word. Even non-believers use it, like it, promote it. Um, it's, a, it's a great athletic incentive, right? Um, everyone wants it. Um, not everyone knows exactly how it works. The inner workings of unity. And so, um, some people resort to this. This is a common phrase within families. Hey guys, let's just all be together and commit to not talking about two things especially over Thanksgiving. And what are they? <laughs> That's right, politics and religion. Let's avoid big discussions so that we can have unity. And that, that isn't necessarily a Christian way to think. Um, I'd like to, to give you a practical example this example that I'm going to use is not going to be jaw-dropping. It's not going to be inspiring. You won't get the chills by going, oh, what an amazing... 
What an incredible story! Um, but this illustration is going to build up our church. It's going to um, broaden your knowledge of how an elder team, an elder board works. And it'll, it'll give you practical um, knowledge of ecclesiology. Ecclesiology comes from the word um, ecclesia, church, gathering, um, and ology, the study of. So it's the study of the church. So here's, here's an illustration. Um, so let's just say um, that this church has three elders. If you're visiting here, we have three elders, okay? Um, this is how unanimity works in an elder board. Elders practicing unity. Um, so let's say um, um, a guy from the church, a member of the church says, hey, um, I can play the drums. Um, you guys need a drummer? And so uh, um, the, the pastor goes, you know what, let me, let me talk to the elders. And, and I, I know that drums have created discord and not unity in churches. People get all you know, fidgety when drums come around, okay? Well, are you going to build a cage? And are they going to be electric drums? And are they going to like, you know, is my ears going to pop? If you, if they, you know, all this stuff. And so uh, the pastor brings to the elders, um, hey guys, should we, uh, should we respond to this drum request? And uh, two of them say, yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, like, they're in the Bible. Like, um, like when in the Psalms, they were celebrating with tambourines. All that is is just like an animal skin over a piece of wood. That's a drum, isn't it? So it's like, that's like biblical and stuff. And one guy goes, oh, no. I ain't doing drums. We were at our last church, and I couldn't even hear anything. No, absolutely not, okay? How does an elder board lead a church in relation to when two agree and one disagree? And they're committed to not voting, but to practicing unanimity. Uh, in this church, we don't vote. We don't, we don't vote. So the elders don't go, well, it's two against one. Sorry, buddy. But you're outvoted here. Um, we, what we do is we practice unanimity and say, is that what you is that what you feel? Um, hey, there we need to be masculine, unemotional, and direct with each other. Um, both uh, both of these elders, these two guys, think drums are okay. Um, we're gonna we're gonna shepherd our church accordingly. Um, if 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 they start getting too loud, um, we're gonna we're gonna just deal with it. We're gonna talk about it. Um, by the way, this is made up. Like we're, we're not. No one's come to us and said like drum. But we've had had drums in here, so you know this is not me trying to like backdoor our, the church to try to get drums in or anything. Like that. Um, um, so us, us too, my friend, are saying that we're okay with drums. The burden of proof lies in the man that disagrees with the drum direction. And so we're going to pause. We're going to wait. Um, it's going to be slower, church. But we believe that sometimes slower is actually healthier. Um, sometimes we need to make quick decisions. But sometimes it's okay to take our time and pray about it and wait on one another and wait on the Lord. And so we're going to hear from that guy. We're going to hear why. 
And you know what? If by the end of a month or so, if he uh, is not convincing, um, and if, if the other two guys are saying, we've heard you out by the Spirit, we've studied the Scriptures, we've gone through it together, and we're not convinced, then that guy, that guy, um, he's called to defer, it's called. He said, you know what? Um, you guys have heard my heart. Some of it has been fleshly. Some of it has been uh, uh, just, just genuine concern. Would you hear my concerns? And uh, I'm going to lay down um, my own preferences for the sake of unity. And we're going to move forward. Question. Did that one guy lose? No. He didn't lose. Um, question. What is the posture of that one guy going from here? Is it, ugh, I can't believe we're going to have drums. I'm so bummed, wife. Hey, kids, come in here. Hey, this Sunday we're going to have drums. It's going to be horrible, but you know what? I tried to tell the other elders that they wouldn't listen, right? No! No! That together, the elders are going to say, we're together, we're going to support each other, and we're going to move forward with joy and with a positive attitude. And even that guy who is a little bit hesitant, he's going to go, you know what? God worked through the three of us. And He did a great work in all three of our lives. And together we believe that drums are going to be the best course for this church. Practical example, maybe not so inspiring, you know, hair raising on your arms, but true. And guess what? God looks upon those elders and then looks upon the church and He's pleased. He goes like this. I love that smell. It's like a good smelling oil. There's copious amounts of unity in this church. You wait for the end. Wait, wait, you wait what God does to that people, to that church, when they function like that in unanimity. Let's go to the next one, friends. This is illustration number two. This is a do illustration. Okay? When was the last time you heard an illustration about do? Probably not that often unless you're in agriculture or unless you graduated from Texas A&M. Um, but here is the illustration principle. It is that unity is profitable. It's not just pleasing. It's not just a nice smelling thing. It actually functions in a profitable manner. Here's the verse, verse 3. It says, It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Okay. So a little biblical history, biblical times, biblical geography, okay? There are two mountains in that area that are called Mount Hermon, okay? One is in the way north, one is in the way west, uh, west of the River Jordan, okay? Neither uh, were near Jerusalem, which causes a little bit of challenge in interpreting this verse because usually uh, when you read the mountains of Zion, it's talking about Jerusalem. So the question would be, how can do from a faraway mountain affect a mountain in Jerusalem? How can that be? That's our task in the next few minutes. Okay? 
So here's, uh, here's a little bit of um, the function of dew versus rain. Okay? Rain. You guys ready? All right. I, got, I know one landscaper is listening. Here we go. Are you, are you with me? Okay. So if you can imagine my house, most of you have been there, to the right of it, there's, a, there's this hill that runs down. Okay? And the topography of the ground, like the way it lays in such a way, is that it never has any grass. This May, I planted some grass seed in it um, so that I would have a, a, like a flourishing right side of my yard, okay? Um, but because of the copious amounts of rain, this is the second time I've used that word this sermon, um, it always rushes down that hill, sweeps the grass away, and by the time, like right now, in late July, early August, it's all dry dirt and rocks, okay? Welcome to the right side of my house. Why? Because rain washes away stuff on a hill. Think of a mountain. Multiply my hill by a hundred, and that's what you get. Rain is coming down, and it's really hard to grow stuff on mountains because rain washes it away. Now, think about dew. Dew. Soft. Gentle. Slow. It comes and it lays on the mountain. It tenderizes it. it. It takes its time. It brings great fertility to the ground. So here's what I think is happening. The dew on Mount Hermon, whether it's in the north or it's in the west, is causing this ground on this mountain to be so fertile that... Um, that a whole bunch of things are growing from it. And uh, don't think like wheat, or don't think barley or beans, because that's what we do in Ohio with, with flatness. Think mountain. So it's probably like things that grow on trees, like fruit and various vegetables that can grow on a hillside. So on Mount Hermon, you probably got, you know, this is Middle East, so you probably got a whole bunch of olives, figs, and fruit growing. And this fruit is so good that it's growing fame. All the way in Jerusalem. You got Jerusalem folks, Jerusalemites, going, give me some of those figs. No, 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 no. I don't even want the local stuff. I want all the way from Mount Hermon. That stuff is juicy. Just like we buy oranges from Florida, avocados from California, and what else? Peaches from, peaches from Georgia, and cherries from Michigan, right? Um, that's, that's what's happening here. So the, the fruit is so good and, and fertile from other places that it's, it's bearing fruit. It's got good works. It's, it's known all throughout. And it's happening because of the dew. What are we saying? This is about unity. We're saying that when people dwell in unity, that it causes so much fruit to come out from a life of a church made up of individuals that are walking with God. They're doing good works. They're bearing fruit. So much so that, that, that they're... they're, they're Fruit is growing in fame. And people, certainly across the street, but like all the way in like Miamisburg 
and Middletown and Cleveland and St. Louis and Louisville are hearing about the unity that's coming from a church, from a mountain, as a result of being watered slowly, tenderly, graciously, gently. The gathering, friends, brothers and sisters, if we are unified, if we are a people that throw off our own ambitions and have the ambition of Christ alone, we'll see others blessed. Others will be blessed by it. It's not just, oh, nice, I'm finally in a church with unity. I don't have to worry about drama. That's, that's not it. Although that, that's part of it. <laughs> it's, this is going to bear fruit. And missions is going to happen. People are going to hear about the goodness of God. They're going to come to Christ because believers are committed to unity. And that news will travel. Why? How? How is that going to happen again? In practical, practical terms, like, I'm not tracking you, Newman, with all this like fruit and vegetable illustration. That's okay. That's okay. Why? It's because um, Paul describes it like this in the New Testament. When he came to a place, he brought the things of first importance. If we're a church that has things of first importance on our mind, in our heart, on our, cal- on our calendar, in our conversations, if we're bringing up the things of first importance, unity will occur. Let me read it for you. This is from 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. This is Paul speaking. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Here's the things that are of first importance. Ready? Um, Beards, alcohol, view on end times, and strategy for children's ministry. No, that was a little bit sarcastic, okay? Here's the things that are of first importance. Ready? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Isn't that great? Of first importance. Unity is profitable. It works. It functions in such a way that people receive a great profit from it. And here's the last point, point number four, the proof of unity, which is blessing. Watch what God does with regards to people that function in unity. It says, for there the Lord has what? What do you see in your text? Has commanded the blessing life forevermore. So God commands blessing on those who dwell in unity. And who doesn't want that, right? I mean, that is amazing. The New Testament, there's a promise, and it's similar to this that if people dwell in peace, that the God of peace will dwell with them. That's the blessing. That God is going to bless the people who are committed to dwelling in peace with each other. Alright, so does that mean, um, Mike, I'm, I'm trying to like follow the Scriptures and get the main point. 
Should I leave from here and say, I think Mike was just trying to say, everyone needs to just get along and stop fighting. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe we need to get along and stop fighting. I don't know of any like real fight that's going on in the church. And I'm the pastor, and it's my job to like, no, okay? So I, we're doing great, church, in terms of unity. But like, is that really the message of the text? Everybody stop fighting and, and just get along? I would say, there, that's, that's so shallow. That's so shallow of an understanding, right? What about like, well, if, if there's a disagreement with someone, then I just need to shut my mouth so that there's unity. Is that the message of today? Is that how we are to get along? I'll just like, just like hide my convictions, opinions, whatever, and I'll just fly under the radar. I just don't want any disturbance to happen, right? Then unity will, will occur, right? Do we just need to diminish our doctrine, not bring up anything that's hard in the Scriptures so that we can just get along? No! Okay? I think that there's a great theme in this passage. Um, and I think this will help guide us as we go from here in the future. And it's the theme of dwell. Look at that in verse 1. How brothers were able to dwell in unity because God was their portion. They were able to dwell with one another. Um, another good word would be together. They were able to live and abide together. Um, God sent His Son Jesus to dwell among us. He modeled it in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Um, the book of John says that He tabernacled. He, he dwelt among us. And the New Testament, after the Gospels, picks up on this idea of dwell. And in Colossians, he says, let the Word of God dwell richly among you. It's beautiful. The Word of God can be and is the great unifier. So when you're at dinner with another family, They've invited you over. When you're with a friend on the golf course, when you're with a friend at school, when you're driving in the car, it is good and pleasant to bring up and talk about the things that are dearest to your heart. God's Word. That is letting the Word of God dwell richly among you. When the couple doesn't know what to do, and the husband goes, hey, sweetheart, I don't know what to do. I wonder what the Lord would have us do. How about we pray together and then let's spend a week um, looking up Scripture on this issue and, and we'll come together and, and figure it out from there. Let's let the Word dwell richly among us. What that does is it allows the Word of God to be the sole authority in your life, in your marriage, in our church. And opinions fall to the wayside. It's not, oh, this is what, this is what Bob thinks. This is what you know, Harry thinks. This is what Frank thinks. This is what Mike thinks we should do. But it goes towards God's Word. And if we all lift it up and submit under it, 
Unity happens, and God gets the glory. It's just like those boys in the boat in the 1936 Olympics. Their call was to disregard their own ambitions, to throw each of their ambitions over the gunwale and to leave it swirling in the wake of its shell. That's our call too. To pull for the glory of God. To seek to bring unity by holding high one person, Jesus Christ. So again, in your marriage, in your family, in your church, ask yourself, how can you promote unity? How can you be its agent? Three things and questions to leave you with, okay? Number one, be eager for it. Be eager for unity. That's the language of Ephesians 4.3. It says, eager to maintain the spirit in the bond of peace. So the question would be, um, whatever's going on in your life where you feel disunity, maybe a relationship, maybe maybe something in the church, maybe something um, at a soccer you know soccer field or this team or whatever, you're not feeling unified. Can you describe your temperament, your posture, your behavior as one of eager? Are you eager to bring about unity in this situation? Or would it be more so the opposite? Just delayed or um, ambivalent or um, passive? So number one is be eager for it. Number two, be prayerful for it. We learned last week, hey, unless the Lord builds the house. And so unity can't happen in our own personalities, in our own strengths, in our own cool ideas or programs or whatever. Unity is a work of God, and God always works when His people are praying. I would encourage you, if you're not experiencing unity at some level, um, before you seek after it and try to make it happen, you've got to be praying first. Pray for that person first. Pray for your heart first. That's number two. Be prayerful for it. And here's the last one. We'll close our time here. Pursue it. Pursue it. Number three is pursue it. Um, pursue uh, does not mean overly ambitious. Um, it doesn't throw out wisdom in terms of tactfulness or timing. Um, so, for instance, if you need to pursue unity uh, with your life, with someone Perhaps it means right away. <laughs> Perhaps it means right away. But sometimes it doesn't mean right away. Sometimes you need to go, you know what? I need to take a little bit of time. I need to give myself some space. I need to gain a biblical perspective on this. And then I need to pursue unity. Unity is a good and pleasant thing. It is so pleasing to the God it's pleasing to others, and it is very profitable. And there's a promise with unity in that God blesses those who pursue it. Amen? Church, let's be unified. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we trust you with unity. You displayed it in the Godhead 
being one um, with the Son and the Spirit. Your Son Jesus prayed for it. He prayed in John 17 that, that they would all be one just as I am one with the Father. And so, right now, that is our prayer. We're praying for unity. Lord, help um, each individual here to be, um, to be convinced, to be compelled that they must make Christ their one, their highest importance, their greatest treasure, their portion and their strength. Lord, let them be convinced that they, that the mission of their life would be to bring Him up, to make much of Jesus Christ. When, when um, their, their children are sick, when, when their parents are, are dying, when their grandparents are dying, when, when there's hardships, Lord, that our people would glorify You by speaking of You, by smiling and making much of Your Son Jesus, by trusting You and making their trust known with their words. Lord, would You embolden us to be a people that are unified and, and Lord, would You bring great profit to that union? We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, in response to God's Word, would you stand with us and let's sing. And if at any point uh, during the song or after the service, you would like um, me or another another person in the church to pray for you, um, pursue that. Um, If you are withholding um, forgiveness from anyone, we would say, um, set it as a priority in your calendar to pursue unity. And we'll be off in the wings if you want to pray um, and um, find help and a uh, person to lean on in that process. We'll be there for you. Let's see.